remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney prior to and during any question. You can't afford one a court appointment for you. You understand your rights? Your crime spree was over, son. Yeah, you thought you had it licked. But it man over time. Made you sugar turn to shit. <laughs> Warning, each episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast will contain descriptions of acts of violence or of a sexual nature and are for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I do not get the facts of these cases off the internet or from some television show. These facts are I'm retelling were presented to me by the victims of the crime or the perpetrators who committed the crimes. My descriptions of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you are going to get offended, turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life. Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. My co-host, Jim, the Hitman Rapman. What's up, Jim? What's going on, Woody? How you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good. Doing well. Doing well. So, um, let's start out real quick. Y'all, just a couple quick announcements before the show. Could just about two minutes of your time. And then stay tuned at the end of today's episode. We have a lot of great information um and stuff you need to hear so but let's talk about the first annual or as one of our lifers correct me it should say inaugural but first annual uh real life real crime crew bash which is february 15th at the basin in downtown baton rouge on third street and y'all will talk about it a little bit more at the end of the show about parking and the parade that's going to roll earlier that night and stuff like that. But I just want to tell you, you got to get your tickets, right, Jim? Definitely get your tickets. You know, last night we posted some photos because we received our uh, 2019 People's Choice Podcast Awards. And so we finally received those awards. And so we put those up and we had a tremendous amount of feedback, but in turn, a lot of the tickets started going on sale, buying up real quick. So if you are wanting to go to the event, I encourage you to not waste time and go get your ticket because there's only so many of them. And once they're gone, unfortunately, we won't be able to get anybody else in there. So uh, don't waste any time. Go out and get your ticket. Come party with us. Woody and I will be on stage for an hour and a half, two hours or so interactive case that we're going to do. It'll be different from what we're doing in January. And then you're going to hear the wonderful music of Tom play and they're going to bring it. And so between the open bars that you can come over, meet with Woody and I, take pictures, talk. Um, it's going to be one hell of a night. So 
Go get your tickets. Come on. Yeah, we're going to party. Uh, you know, one million downloads, first anniversary, uh, our, celebrating our podcast awards, and just getting a, a Mardi Gras, getting a throwdown with the crew and the lifers. And uh, tickets $35, y'all. And, and just like on the shows that, and Walker, all three of them sold out within 24 hours uh, uh, when they were posted. And a bunch of people wanted, you know, tickets afterwards. We, they can't do it on this one. There's no way because the fire marshal and this is a concert hall. It's a lot bigger venue, but you need to get them quick. So that being said, let's go. I want, I want to give a shout out real quick on a promo to Mike Morford. Uh, Mike is, is one of the biggest names in true crime podcast. And he's got several shows. He's been a friend to us. He's got a new podcast called scene of the crime. And I'm going to let you listen to the promo now. Mike Morford, Scene of the Crime. Coming up in Season 1 of Scene of the Crime, Delphi. Why Libby? Why Abby? Why Delphi? Those girls loved each other. They were good friends. Neither one of them left each other's side. Both those girls are heroes. Before the words came out, I knew. I knew this was not good. As soon as I saw that, I knew something really bad happened. The detectives were like, this is not going to take that long. It's a small town. Somebody's going to say something, and this is all going to be over soon. The first couple of weeks, that's what it felt like, is that any day now. And then all of a sudden, a couple of weeks turned into a couple of months. My biggest fear is that whoever did this would do it again. I don't want that to happen to another family, because I'm telling you, it's hell. There was no logical reason anybody would have known those girls will be there that day. Child abduction murders in and of themselves are incredibly rare, but the abduction of two children at one time is even rarer. I've only seen a couple in my entire career. There is a lot of crime scene evidence. Uh, Some of it is somewhat odd. Shortly after solving the Golden State Killer case, I did speak with an investigator that was involved with the Delphi murders. If you haven't walked across the bridge, you don't understand, right? Yeah, like that bridge is scary. It is scary. And those railroad ties are rotted. That bridge scares me. So for somebody to be able to cross it, he's moving well enough that he has to know the bridge. He's done that before. It could have been any one of our kids. It could have been anyone at the bridge that day. It's hard for me to believe anybody could do something so bizarre and horrible and not feel compelled to tell somebody about it. Those two young girls were everybody's daughter. I refuse to accept evil as a standard bearer in American society. I believe we're one piece of the puzzle away from figuring out who this individual is. To the killer who may be in this room. Do you want to know what we know? And one day you will. You've just listened to a short preview of Scene of the Crime Season 1, Delphi. Be sure to subscribe right now wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, y'all. That was Mike Morford's new podcast, Scene of the Crime. So check it out and stay tuned. We have another promo for Delving into the Cold by D uh, that we're going to play at the end of today's episode. All right, Jim, let's get started. Today, Let's do it, buddy. Today we're going to talk about a murder case. It's kind of crazy. Uh, um, it's, it's, you know, of course, all murder cases, I guess, are a little bit crazy. But this one's called Murder in the Big D. And it was in July of 2002. And it occurred at the Big the trailer park. Now, you listeners, uh, y'all have heard of uh, me 
us to talk about the Big D trailer park before on several episodes, but the main one being hit a lick where they uh, shot a, shot the man, the dumb criminals shot the man, et cetera. But it's the same place. And Jim, tell them about Big D. So Big D Trailer Park, if you're in, it's literally right on the line of Denham Springs and Walker. So if you are in the city of Denham Springs and you turn on to Florida Boulevard like you're heading east on 190, it's going to be on your left-hand side, probably about a half mile before you hit Burgess Road. It's kind of on the back side of Walker High School where their uh, football field and their track is. It's kind of like on that back end of that close to Florida Boulevard. Um, so if you can just, if that helps paint a picture of where it is, but uh, I think that trailer park is closed now. Yeah, they, fi- um, they but finally, it was definitely active back then. Yeah, they finally shut it down. The, um, the, y'all, let me tell you why we're doing this story. We had so many requests to do this, to cover the story, and it is an interesting story. So that, that's, we're answering y'all's request to hear this, um, and to tell it. But the, Big D trailer park wise, um, it, it's not, it wasn't a Bernard, Kathy Bernard's trailer park. I mean, that when you turn into it, and it, Jim, you can describe it better than me, it wasn't that deep. Uh, it's like, not like it was super huge. Um, and, but at least these trailers had lots. Uh, and, and, thank God. Yeah. In parking space. At least you could find where you're going. Right. But they, and it, and it, like I said, it wasn't that big, but they were all old, piece of shit run down trailers and i mean i'm sure there were some good people in there but uh there were a lot of bad people in there at the time this this was it actually fell in this the city limits of walker it was covered by walker police department um but it it was walker's biggest problem and and for the the drug use and and domestic violence calls and all the trouble they had out there so it wasn't a big trailer park at all. Um, there's really no light. So at nighttime, it's just real dark. Um, just, yeah. But at least you could find where you wanted to go. So at least they had a lot number. Unlike some other places we've been to before where you have no idea which one is what. Because yeah. the mailbox and the residences are a mile apart. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Livingston naturally has, you know, some, they have some trailer parks that are just like, country clubs and then they you, you go all the way down to the other end places that you can't even drive into that are just should be condemned uh and anyway but this one was the worst i i have to say well the worst in the walk areas wasn't as bad as like east over or, or maggot estates uh, um but it, it certainly was the worst in walker so back in uh july july I think like July the 10th, 2002, the, there was a guy, um, named Joseph Trahan. He was 40 years old and he's from Bruley, Louisiana. And our listeners in Louisiana, you'll know where that's at. You go across the bridge from East Baton Rouge, the Mississippi river bridge from East Baton Rouge to West Baton Rouge. And you get off and you take a left going south away from Port Allen. Eventually you run into the small town of Bruley. Uh, but Joseph Trahan, well, we would call him a frequent flyer. He had a pretty extensive criminal history. Uh, like I said, he was 40 years old, but I mean, to tell you his character, his street name was outlaw. 
I mean, you know, there is, I mean, I could think of a, like a lot of nicknames to have Jim, but uh, outlaw, uh, uh, that I guess that defines who you are right there. But anyway, so he was over there doing God knows what I'm sure narcotics, et cetera. And y'all, I, I was contacted. I'm not going to say a name, but I saw a relative of his and they told me uh, about him. And they said he was just a real shit bag and he molested kids. And I mean, I'm not saying anything. I'm telling you what was told to me. He molested kids and attempted to molest them as they were coming up and just, you know, it was always stealing and shit and just, just a real piece of shit. And, and I'm, it is what it is. I'm just giving you the background on him. And this person said, you know, she believes he absolutely, well, I'll say that. <laughs> I'm going to get ahead of myself. The, uh, so, so outlaws hanging out in the big D, right? And, and, doing God knows what. And he's just kind of kicking it. I mean, uh, doesn't have a place to live. He's homeless. And he meets a lady by the last name of Petrie just on one afternoon. And they're talking in the, in the big D, uh, and they weren't at, at, at her trailer. And, and he tells her he doesn't have anywhere to stay. And she throws him the key, to her trailer and says, you you just crash at my place. And she said, but I'm not going to be home tonight. Okay. I mean, Jim, what do you think about that? It's a, it's a fact that he had never stayed there before. And that's the night, the the first day she ever met him, she just throws him the keys. Let me throw this in real quick for your answer. As you know, for the, so the listeners can hear, she had a 16 year old son who was living in the residence. Uh, but she's just, Chunks in the keys, according to, according to witness testimony, she just chunked in the keys and said, "You can crash my place. I'm not going to be there." Though. I mean, I, I mean, it's it's <laughs> an interesting way to do it. Um, you know, it kind of fits what goes on in that trailer park, though, with everything else that was going on, the drugs and all so on. But I mean, no no risk factors into that at all. Didn't even, you know, who is this guy? What's his background? Oh, by the way, my son's staying in there. But hey, don't worry about. It. I don't know you. So here's my keys. Go ahead and crash. Make yourself comfortable, yeah. you know. Make, um, make yourself at home. Pretty friendly. Yeah. Make yourself home, hang out, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't really get it. but Eat so, my food, pet my pet my yeah, dog. Yeah, you know, fart on my couch. <laughs> whatever you want to do. The, the, uh, the, I, I don't get it. I mean, you know, he just, I, I guess it just takes all kinds of people to make the world go around. So you got this transient. I mean, he's just cruising through, going neighborhood to neighborhood, doing his dope, and probably somebody left him there or whatever. We don't know, but we we know he was not a resident of of the Big D. He's just he got there, and that was literally within minutes of meeting the guy. She chunks him the keys and says, "You can crash in my pad, but hey, I'm not going to be there." Uh, well, that being said, she wasn't there. And she comes home the next day uh, and goes into her trailer and doesn't see the dude, right? So I don't guess she was thinking. Her name was Pam, by the way. It's Pam Petrie. So Pam goes in and is <laughs> cruising. The, I guess she goes in. And, I mean, you know, doesn't know if he's going to be there or not, uh, not be there or whatever. I don't know. Who knows where she's been? 
uh, so it's the next day she comes in and walks into the re- to the trailer and uh, it wasn't a big trailer at all. I think it had two bedrooms and a bathroom in the living room. And so she goes back to her son's room. And like I said, he's 16 years old and his name was Wesley. And she goes back into her son's room and uh, opens the door and sees a pile of blankets on the floor with, with like stuff underneath it. And I don't know what was going through her mind, uh, 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 but evidently she reached down and pulled the blankets off and there is outlaw. And he's 10 seven. Jim. Yep. He did. Yeah, <laughs> very sorry. obvious. Sorry. Yeah, he's 10 seven outlaw is dead. And let me t- tell you how obvious it is. She looks down and outlaws is dead. And you can tell he's dead because he's been cut on now. Uh, by that, I mean, we'll get a little bit more detail into it. So she, she calls 911 and the, the Walker PD, of course, responds. And then they, they, that was the first murder in the town of Walker in 10 years. Uh, Chief Elton Burns, Jim, I think he was probably before your time. He was an old man. And they, they just didn't have the crime back then in Walker. I mean, look, I went to Walker the other day, Jim, to the uh, Livingston Parish Literacy and Technology Center where we're going to be doing our shows. Dude, you would not believe how big it's grown up, right? And I'm thinking, you know, back to the, these days, but it's just it's a metropolis now. And, and back then it just wasn't anything. At nighttime they had the one gas station by the interstate. Uh, I mean, it was just small. But the – so – Walker PD responds, of course, they hadn't worked a murder in 10 years, so they called the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office, who send the detectives out. They go out, cordon off the scene, and they go in to the room to where the body is, into Wesley's room. And there's a bunch of satanic uh, uh, stuff in the room, uh, pentagrams. Is that what you call it, Jim? Pentagram? The the. Fu- the devil star. Yeah, that is correct. That it, is correct. Pentagrams and candles and just, you know, satanic stuff, uh, uh, around the body uh, around outlaw. And they, they get to looking at the body and it appears that he, that he's been stabbed to death. That's what they think at first. Okay. Uh, Cause he had lacerations on him like severe and, so they work the scene, and they they have to find Wesley, and it didn't take him long. Uh, uh, he was in the, he was in the park just chilling, and they got him, and they brought him back uh, to the detective's office, and and had to get his mom up there with him because he was a juvenile, and advising rights, and she was like she was like freaked, right, and and asking him, or she's told him, you tell him what happened, you know, tell him what happened. And so Wesley tells him what happened. And he said, well, I, I don't think he told him everything. Do you, Jim? I, I think he maybe tried to sugarcoat no. it a little bit. He tried to sugarcoat it, give himself a little bit of an out, not give all the information. Yeah. The, uh, so, so, yeah, I don't let, let me go, let me go back on, on outlaw. I, I think I told you he's, he's convicted 
uh, child molester and uh, amongst various other crimes, but he's, I mean, he's a piece of shit. Uh, and the, uh, but Wesley says that at four o'clock, about four o'clock in the morning, he went, I uh, walks out, uh, to the front of the trailer and the TV's on and this dude's asleep on the couch. Outlaws asleep on the couch. And he said that he, he tied him up and gagged him and then he choked him to death. Well, that kind of went against what the detectives had seen. They saw the, the you know, so obviously there were some uh, ligature marks on the body and stuff like that. Or in the, I should, well, I should say body pieces. But the, what the deal was, the, I mean, outlaw was cut up. Not, not all, all the way through, but his limbs, like his arms and his legs had been sawed on. And, and, um, but it, you know, he looked in bad shape. They didn't, they, they didn't believe uh, that he had been strangled at first. But when they went to the autopsy, it turned out he was strangled. They, the, the bone in his neck was broken, et cetera. Um, but what happened, Wesley said, what happened, Wesley said, was that the he, stra- he strangled him to death, and then he decided he was going to get rid of his body. Uh, and so he got a saw. Now, <laughs> I don't know if you ever tried to saw, a, a, you know, up a human corpse or, or an animal or a carcass or something like that. It's not that easy. Well, Wesley found out. He made several attempts to saw the, the, the limbs off the body, the arms, and the legs, et cetera. And I think, I think he would get to bone and it's hard as hell to saw through a bone. Right. And he quit, uh, uh, and he gave up. I mean, and then it, he ends up taking it back to his room and doing whatever, you know, the satanic stuff was there for a reason that he didn't admit to anything like that. And when, when they asked him about it, et cetera. Um, but he, he, I think probably that outlaw, try to get some, you know, try to have sex with, with Wesley and, uh, or Wesley may have played him in along with it or whatever. I just don't think you can get a 40 year old grown convicted felon it to let you tie him up and gag him without a fight. Jim. I agree. I mean, there was obviously some sort of motive prior to that and, and just like you're stating there was some may have been some sort of advancements made that a 16 year old or a 16 year old enticed him um and to it then you know convinced him to let him tie him up maybe they were you know as part of their play um uh, before he decided to kill him that i i think that's you know the, the logical answer i mean outlaw wasn't a small dude i mean uh um and if i'm on the couch asleep i don't care how hard i'm sleeping you're not going to tie me up without me, you know, raising some hell. And there was no uh, def- uh, offensive wounds or, def- I guess, if, if Outlaw was attacking him. Anyway, Wesley didn't have any any scratches or bruises, no signs of trauma to his body, right? Uh, the, like, there was no, I mean, shit you couldn't tell on Outlaw because he was cut up. Uh, and so, but uh, you, you think if there was a fight that Wesley would have had some kind of damages to him, but he didn't.
And um, that's it, man. So, I mean, that's, that's my theory on it. But I mean, there should have been some sort of marks on him if there was a fight. You were talking about a 40-year-old convicted felon and a 16-year-old kid. With the name of an outlaw, right? I mean, outlaw is not going right. to let, just let you fucking choke, tie him up and choke him. And there's no point in tying him up. After you, I mean, if you sneak up on him and you choke him to death and break his neck, there's no point in tying him up. He's dead. So I, I don't get the whole thing. And I don't know. But uh, I bet you, uh, old Pam, wish she, she hadn't given out all the keys for what, you know, that's it is. To a sex offender. Yeah, yeah, that came out afterwards. I mean, I'm sure he didn't walk around with a sign or a tattoo on his forehead saying, I'll rape your kid. But. The Wesley was booked into the Florida Parish's Juvenile Detention Center. And y'all, I was actually a supervisor there in 97, 98. Um, it is the Florida Parishes consist of Livingston Parish, St. Helena Parish, and St. Tammany Parish. And that detention center was built because of, for serious offenders, juvenile offenders from ele- the birds up in the country from 11 years old to, uh, to 17 and him being 16, he was housed out there first, but it's for, it's for really bad kids. It's not a hug a thug program. I mean, it's for you know, people that are in there for murder and rape and, uh, serious offenses. So he goes out there. Does he hear another Woodyism? What's that? I mean, if it is, you know, if, if it was a hardcore place. They, the sales were the juveniles. You have to keep them independent of each other. And, you know, you get processed in just like a, a prison. They do go through the full strip search and they have to, to do the delousing shower and they give them the, uh, the prison garb, you know, the, the I always used to, Threatened juveniles when I was uh, questioning them, like, you want to go to Florida Parish Juvenile Detention Center? I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. When you get there, you're going to get stuck in a cell, a holding cell till they get around to you. And then they're going to bring you out. They're going to make you strip naked. They're going to do a visual body cavity search on you. Then they're going to, you know, make you shower up with this light shampoo and you have to stand there naked in front of a stranger for however long. And then they're going to give you somebody else's shitty drawers that have been worn, <laughs> like, you know, by a hundred other kids that have gone through there and you get your jumpsuit and they're going to lock you in a cell. And these cells were solid metal doors. There were no, no, uh, bars and it had a, it had a window for staff to look through and it had a trap door. I mean, just like most prisons now, right? It was like, it was like Pelican Bay for kids. And, and, um, they, they stayed in their, their cell. They got out. They couldn't talk to each other. They got out and marched in a single file line to the mess hall and, and back. And all they could have in the cell was a Bible. And I mean, it's pretty hardcore place. They did have regular school. For, uh, they, they, they forced them to attend. A lot of them that were in there were in there like, but Petrie didn't stay there that long because they ended up charging them as an adult. But the kids that go in there, they're in there for serious shit. And it, it, sometimes it can take a year, year and a half or whatever, just like parish prison for you to get your case heard uh, or uh, adjudicated. And anyway, so it's just, I mean, definitely not a hug a thug, uh, you know, 
halfway house or a group home or whatever. It's a pretty serious place and not a place you, you want to have your kid go. That's for sure. But he goes there and he has a court date. All right. And so of course to bring him in, they didn't call it arraignments um, when, when you're juvenile, but they had to bring him in to, for him to answer for the charge, say guilty or not guilty, whatever he was going to say. Well, Wesley Petrie, a 16-year-old, none of us are, I guess, that smart, but he he's especially n- not bright. I mean, he just – I don't know what, what this kid's thought process was. But the, when they when they transport him in, and it's a, it's a ways, it's a long ways. That, that, that facility is on the St. Tammany uh, – I said it wrong earlier. It's it's Livingston Parish, Tangipahoa Parish, and yeah, and St. Tammany and St. Helena. And uh so it's four parishes that it covers, the Florida parishes. But anyway, it's it's way over on on the east, very far east side of Tangipahoe Parish, and on right on the St. Tammany Parish line. But when they transported, they transported just as hard as they would a, a death row inmate from Angola. They shackle them up, the waist belt, the cuff, the chains, uh, the, the feet shackles, etc. And they bring them to court. You want to tell them what happened the first time they brought them to court, Jim? Yeah, he, he tried to run. <laughs> in handcuffs and shackles. How the fuck are you going to run it, with, with shackles on? I mean, that's the whole point and purpose. You have to it, it, a fast walk and in, in, in shackles, you have to, I mean, it's like baby steps. Uh, the chain is, is maybe six inches in between your feet. That's designed that away for a reason. This kid is not only in handcuffs. Now, you had, they had the big brown belt around his waist that fastens in the back so they can't reach around and try to un, undo it. And But the handcuffs go through the center loop in the belt and his hands are cuffed in front of him with the, 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 uh, the handcuff key hole is facing towards him. Oh, and it has a black box on it. That's the last thing you put over the handcuffs is this black box and it's a double lock mechanism. So the, and the handcuff key faces towards the prisoner. So their, their hands are on the other side of the black box. They can't try to pick it, et cetera, just another security measure. Then you go down and you have, handcuffs for your ankles shackles and and i mean you can barely even walk in this shit y'all y'all have all seen it in the movies etc and they pull up and the prisoner parking was in the back jim tell them about it so he gets there they bring him in and he decides he's going to try to bolt and run and like what he is saying you can't get very far i mean your, your hands maybe have three inches from your from your gut area is about as far as your hands are going to go with those shackles and in your legs. I mean, it, it, there's no way you can get maybe six inches of room space, maybe to, to walk. I mean, it's not much at all. So you're doing this real shitty shuffle, um, <laughs> trying to go. I mean, my gosh, maybe he got what 50 yards or so. Uh, and, yeah. um, he was stopped. The, I mean, yeah, not, not a smart move. And, and the funny part about it is, is that, you know, he goes with two transport officers from Florida Parish to Juvenile Detention Center. And so they literally were getting him out of the van. They put one uh, 
hand on each arm. And before they do that, though, they call the, the bailiffs at the courthouse to open the back uh, door to the courthouse. And, and so, we, you know, there's another deputy, Livingston deputy has eyeballs on them also. So all, all, all safety precautions, right? I mean, every, every policy and procedure that's ever been written is because somebody F something up. I mean, and so these, this is, <laughs> these procedures are in place for a reason. And Petrie, I guess he thinks he's fucking Superman or the devil was going to turn him into something, a bird and let him fly away. I don't know. But the, he gets out, he breaks the grasp uh, of the surprise correctional officers and he makes it about 50 feet and they flatten him. And he's got, yeah, it was a cement parking lot, but it was some loose pea gravel and stuff. And he's got gravel embedded in his head and he's all road rashed and skin up. And they had to call medical out to come and patch up his little wounds and stuff and whatever. So I, th- I think that was That's another charge. Yeah, and he did. He called an escape charge, attempted escape, well, attempted escape, which is another 10 years. But, uh, but I think that was uh, one of the big factors in them actually charging him as an adult. Um, I mean, the judges don't like that. The judges are all about the, uh, the, the safety of the prisoners and in the courtroom, et cetera. Well, you're going in to answer or plea to a murder charge. I mean, he, he probably, honestly, I think they, you know, they might have because he cooperated and he confessed and everything like that. I, I think they might have, have given him the, uh, uh, tried him as a juvenile until he, he ran. And then, and then, and then, when they brought him in the courtroom, he showed his ass in front of the judge and pissed off the judge and, and the DA, they decided to try him as an adult and then, or they booked him with, uh, which back then was kind of unusual to really, I mean, now that nowadays they charge 16 year olds all the time in the, um, but back then it, Unless it was something really heinous, uh, the you know, 15, 16 year olds, they didn't charge them. They didn't charge them with murder like they do now, as an adult, I'm talking about. So it was definitely rare at that time. And how you are in front of the judge, how you present yourself, um, that plays a lot into that. And so when you just try to escape and then you go in there showing your ass, the last thing you ever want to do is piss off the judge or piss off the district attorney and make it even worse for yourself. Um, so yeah, that definitely played into it along with his story. Yeah. I mean, so, but I guess, you know, they didn't see a lot of redeeming qualities in old Wesley, uh, <laughs> and, and maybe the judge took in, you know, the Satan worship stuff and whatever, and the, and, and the DA, and they're like, mm, we don't really want him getting out. Because the problem with it is, y'all, if they, if, and that's why it's so uh, common now that teenagers get charged as an adult, uh, Florida Parish's Juvenile Detention Center you know, after if when you get convicted, they ship you to if you get convicted as a juvenile, they ship you to a juvenile prison. Well, the problem with that is you get out at 21. I mean, or at 17, they'll ship you to uh, uh, adult prison, but you still get out at 21. Juvenile life is 21, no matter what what the crime is that you committed. So and I guess they didn't want him getting out at, um, at 21. And so the. He ended up pleading 
no contest to the murder of Joseph Trahan or outlaw, AKA outlaw. Um, yeah, Jim, you want to tell about a no contest plea versus guilty, guilty or not guilty? I mean, I'll do. Yeah, I mean, when you when you plead no contest, you're 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 not you're basically not fighting it. You're not saying, "Hey, I did it. I didn't do it." It's just I'm not. There's no contest here. It is what it is. Let's go. Yeah. And, um, and, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead, buddy. The, the, the only thing uh, no contest gives you, y'all, and and I see this on, on these shows all the time where they pled no contest, and it's like Jim said, uh, uh, the. But the only thing it really gives you protection wise is, is you get not saying that you're guilty straight out. So the family can't come back and see you. you're playing the, uh, they can still come back and sue, but they, you, they can't use this guilty plea against you. So you pled no contest. I, I it's not like outlaws. People are going to sue, uh, Pam Petrie. I mean, who's living in the big D that, uh, but so you pled no contest in the, to they dropped the charges down to manslaughter. Uh, I think I think that was part of the plea bargain. You know, he probably sh- certainly should have got second degree murder. I mean, if you if you tie somebody up and you gag them, I mean, that's certainly you're thinking about it before you do it, Jim. Right, and then on top of that, you try to dismember um, the victim as well. You know, and and then, and then you know, of course, the investigators got to determine was this done while the person was still alive or is this post-mortem, you know? So, and there are ways to tell, um, um, with that. And I know that probably played a factor in everything too. Yeah. Well, the, the manslaughter in Louisiana, that's like if, uh, hit man come, well, I'm going to use you. The, the, if somebody comes I in, that. yeah, I was going to use you. My wife, I don't think that would be appreciated. If you come home and you find your significant other banging someone uh, in, the, in the heat of the moment without pre-thought, you get your pistol and you smoke them like a pack of cools, then that's a manslaughter charge. Uh, 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 the uh, heat of the moment basically is manslaughter. The Then the next one up of course, being second degree murder, which is automatic life. But so I, I, they pled him down to get him to avoid the trial. I mean, it really wouldn't have been much of a trial, but the, uh, by the time he goes to court, it's he's 17 and they sentence him uh, for the manslaughter of outlaw and the attempted escape. And um, he got 27 in one half years at hard labor with the Department of Corrections with credit for time served. All right. So that's 2002. What's 27 years on that? That's 2029. 2029. Half of that because it's Louisiana and they have good time. Um, and I'll tell you about that, about how he's been acting inside in just a second. So half of that is what, Jim? 2029. I don't want to put, um, you, put you on the spot. Yeah, you kind of did there, but I, I would say it's probably right around what? Um, time 17, 18. Yeah, so he's, his, time is, his time is coming up if it's not up already. Uh, uh, the But let me tell you about old Wesley. He's just living it up in prison. 
uh, he is, <laughs> I've uh, actually Karen North Carolina, one of our dream team members that does the research stuff. And, and I, I was talking to her about the case and she said, I think I saw him on, uh, one of the prisoners, you know, a writer prisoner or something like that. So I looked it up. It's called writeaprisoner.com. And he actually puts a profile on there, like one of these date, I don't know, dating websites or whatever. And he says he has a picture of himself standing by a Christmas tree in his light blue prison garb, uh, uh, chino shirt or whatever you call that. He says, I'm Wesley. I'll be 35 years old this August. I am incarcerated at a correctional facility in Louisiana about Wesley. My sign is a Virgo. I, I am not willing to correspond outside the United States. Um, my date of birth is 830 of 1985. Eyes are blue. Hair is blonde. A hometown in Denham Springs, Louisiana. The dumbass didn't even know what his city he lived in. And he's single, Jim. Uh, uh, his marital status is single. Oh. What a shock. <laughs> but, I mean, you can't make that shit up, man. And I'm looking, I mean, he's he's a full-grown man now. He's got glasses, and uh, he's got a beard and and all that. But writeaprisoner.com. So, y'all, if you, if you feel so inclined, you want to hook up with an inmate, um, go to writeaprisoner.com and look up Wesley Petrie. But, <laughs> <laughs> and he says the sexual orientation is straight, but I highly doubt that. The, um, yeah, a white guy in the prison system and I work corrections y'all it, it would make it would make a difference if you're on Schwarzenegger on a tier at Angola of 100 inmates there might be you know one or two Caucasians and it doesn't matter uh, you know how big and badass you are they're gonna they're gonna get that booty I mean it just happens uh, um that's just the culture of it and and the people taking the booty they don't consider it uh, themselves gay they the the bulls they just consider themselves and they'll tell you no i'm not gay i just fucked him uh, um i'm like what and he said yeah i gotta do what i gotta do uh sarge that's what they call you when you're correction sarge i gotta do what i could do sarge get my nut <laughs> when i'm in prison it doesn't mean i'm gay you know <laughs> okay man you know whatever works for you so anyway <laughs> i know you're not trying sure. to laugh jim i'm sorry if i got too crude but so anyway y'all Look out, um, Wesley Petrie will be getting out soon and on parole, I imagine. And that's it. Kind of a crazy story that I think that's the only one that I know of um, about dismemberment and satanic and all that stuff. Jim? Yeah, and I know that when they did the autopsy, just kind of cover a little bit of it. You know, well, as I mentioned earlier, Sometimes you want to see some of these cut marks when he was doing a ritual, like cuts on him and things like that. Was this before death or after death? Was he tortured? And you're able to tell because when somebody is alive and you're cutting on them, they're going to bleed, right? You got the heart's pumping, the blood's flowing through the system. It can, it can, you know, come out and, and drip and, and pool. But when you're, when you're deceased and you've been there for a little while, that doesn't happen anymore. The capillaries in your blood start, it like, it starts to thicken. And so, it's almost like that blood now becomes coagulated, so it's just it's very thick. Um, so it doesn't pool out, it doesn't drip out. If anything, it's kind of like a bluish stain. Yeah, it, um, it's lividity setting. And so, yeah, right, because lividity setting in. So 
it's completely different, and that's how you can really tell if somebody's been cut or dismembered or whatever the case. Because sometimes there's people that are tortured; they may take them off limb by limb, and they're still alive. Well, there's a way to tell, right. and so that's that's part of that autopsy process where uh, Doctor Co would have would have examined that. Yeah, and the uh, you know you know when Leviticus sets in, when your heart quits beating, uh, all your blood it, it succumbs to the law of gravity; it, it pulls to the, the lowest point of your body. And so you're right, Jim. And, and, um, when he tried to saw him up, it was in his room and they, they would have been able to tell also eventually by, you know, the blood type and all that, but kid admitted to it or kid, I said, Wesley, uh, at writerprisoner.com, uh, you know, admitted to it. And that's it. Just a strange case. But we did it because I'm telling you, I must've had at least 30 people, and, and, and we are, oh, when we're 11 years old today, Jim, it was today the 10th. Let's see. Today is the 10th. Hey, yes, hey we're 11 months 11 old months. today, lifers. <laughs> and uh, so, in the, in the, especially in the last, I don't know, Livingston Parish, our fans really came out on strong in the last six months or so, I would say. And I know that's because of bomb deals and uh, the ladies from that and then promoting us and the uh, uh, one of our dream team and now one of my wife's good friends, uh, Lori Goolsby, promoting us. And I, I, we're kind of on fire in Livingston Parish, but the, once, once that took off, the people wanted to know about this case. And I guess they always, it's kind of an urban legend for most of them and thinking this guy was all hacked up and in a million pieces and all the things you hear about the devil worship and all that. But we had tons and tons and tons of requests for it. So we figured we'd knock it out for y'all. And there you have it. There you have it. Murder in the big D. Wesley, write a prisoner. <laughs> Murder in the big D. And, uh, I literally wonder how many letters he's going to get. I don't know, but you, if you write him, <laughs> ask him. At, no, I'm not going to say that. The uh, at, I'm not going to say it, but I, I'm actually going to feel it. <laughs> I really was going to say something nasty, but I'm not. But yeah, ask him if, if he's really straight. Uh, uh, anyway, all right. So that's it, y'all. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Um, just a different story we're doing it at, at listener request and and hope you enjoyed it so all right jim we got some things we want to talk about uh, and you first of all i'm going to talk about the lives that are coming up in walker at the livingston parish literacy and technology center i had the privilege of going over there the other day and, and spending a couple of hours with uh Kelly, Jim, I can hear some feedback. Well, Kelly, uh, their teacher, and y'all, let me tell you about the program. And Jim, it's amazing. The the she has high school seniors or that uh, that are she's teaching real world law enforcement skills to now. And they're getting some college credits and stuff like that. But they, they, when they graduate, Jim, check this out. When they graduate, they will be certified as 911 dispatchers and certified in a lot of other things. That's phenomenal. Isn't that crazy? They, 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 they do internships and stuff with the 911 center through the program. They do. That's an amazing program. It but, really is. But That's the, awesome. The, the, 
the she has a closet full of holsters and 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 the fake guns. They do handcuffing techniques. They do defensive tactics. They do they learn how to write search warrants. They they learn about testifying uh, um, as an officer. They uh, to yesterday the day after I, I did it, they were going to the parish prison to spend some time there and to the nine one one center. And Kelly is just an amazing amazing teacher and full of passion for her students and the kids. I say kids, uh, the young adults that were in the class were amazing, Jim. It, but I, I was a badass when I was in high school. I mean, I, I certainly wasn't disrespectful to any adults or whatever, but I wouldn't have been paying attention. But these kids were on the edge of their seats, and they're really vested into the program. And I can only equate it to, like, when I was coming up, uh, they had, like, shop if, uh Seniors could go to for a couple hours a day and learn how to weld or do woodworking or what some you know whatever if if they knew they weren't going to go to college. Well, these these this program is is such a success. They have she has so many of her ex students that are in law enforcement right now that are officers, including Jim. One of them is is uh, Brian Paul's son went through the program and now he's a deputy with Livingston Parish and Brian Paul. Y'all heard me talk about him as Brian Paul Smith. He's a chief deputy or a, a chief criminal deputy for the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office. But she, she's got tons of, uh, of students that went on to graduate and go into law enforcement. And uh, the, the the things that they teach them is amazing. Just an amazing program. Uh, I wish they had, had had a thought process like that when I was coming up. Maybe I wouldn't have been so bad. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You come out with a skill set and a job opportunity. I mean, that's setting people up for success. That's amazing. And, and, and giving gives you the real deal taste of whether you, you know, that could stomach the career of law enforcement. And I mean, I talked to him for over two hours about everything from murder to um, autopsies to, you know, whatever. And the, I mean, I don't even know what I talked about. It was such a pleasure, such a treat, but man, they were, they, they were awesome, and that program is amazing. Kelly is a fantastic teacher. The Livingston Parish Literacy and Technology Center, they don't just have that program, but that program is a huge success. And uh, I th- I th- maybe we need to get Kelly on one day so she can explain it. But that's a huge success. But they do all kinds of stuff for the public, and uh, uh, it's just amazing. But, but, Jim, tell them about one of the programs that they're doing. So one of one of the programs we're doing is the um, Louisiana Organ Tissue and Eye Donor Registry. So the goal of the students, and I, and, you know, I, I will speak to it like this: um, you know, turning tragedy into hope for someone else—that's the miracle of organ tissue and eye donation. Um, having that opportunity to help some incredible students at the Livingston Parish Literacy and Technology Center make a real positive difference in their community by helping them make life happen. You know, um, in our line of work in law enforcement, we see a lot of bad things, some that result in death. But it doesn't have to be where the person's story ends, right? The, um, their legacy can live on through the miracle of organ, tissue, and eye donation. Lives can be saved, and the tragic ta- uh, tale can have a positive ending and a hero. Um, the kids aren't asking for any money. They want to learn about organ tissue and eye donations to make an educational or educated decision. One person can save up to eight lives. These students want to sign up a thousand new donors 
by the end of the school year. I mean, that's incredible. One life, one person can save up to eight lives, and these students are trying to get 1,000 new donors by the end of the school year to sign up. All right. Um, if you are interested, please go to the LOPA.org backslash LTC. And I'll repeat it. It's LOPA.org backslash LTC. And under the tab that says which school, choose Livingston Parish Literacy and Technology Center. And the next tab under that is which student referred you. Please choose criminal justice students. Um, that is a heck of a goal for these students. Let's help them out a little bit. They're doing a lot. Um, let's help them to reach their goal of getting 1,000 people to register as donors. I know I register. Woody does as well. And hopefully you all will too. Let me tell you, uh, uh, that's awesome. And, uh, and but I, I'll tell you all a real life ex- experience, okay? And I had a, a, um, a young lady who got killed uh, uh, in it. It's a homicide. And uh, the she got run off the road uh, in by Bro Bridge. All the witnesses saw it. 18 wheeler ran off the road and she ended up dying from an injury sustained. And in, uh, it was a single vehicle crash. Uh, the, but she lived for a while in the hospital, but never woke up or anything, but she was an organ donor and all she, hers were good. And all her organs went out to, to eight people, et cetera. And when I, uh, talking to the mom and, and the family members, et cetera, the, I think her heart went to a doctor. Her eyes went to somebody else. Her lungs went to somebody. And, and I mean, this, you know, you read the testimony or you hear about organ transplants, but you have, you, you have people think about this doctor, not that a doctor is more deserving than anybody else, but think about this doctor who was literally dying, waiting on uh, for a transplant, or they were going to die. Like I mean, it's like within months. It, it, it was a critical point. And and, and uh, Maddie, when she was deceased, they were for you know they harvest the organs while you still uh, attach the instruments and get them out and and jet them to wherever they need to go. But this doctor is now able to go on every day and save other people's lives. And, you know, think about the, uh, I saw one yesterday, a guy that, you know, who got something to do with the transplanted eyes and, and he had been blind for a couple of years and now he can see, uh, uh, out of one of his eyes. I mean, think about that. Uh, or, or you, and it's just a powerful thing. I've always done it. I don't care what they do with my organs when I go. And I hope I, I'll probably be too old. Or I'm probably too old now, but I hope, hope that, um, they can use them um, and these kids to take the initiative. It just goes the criminal justice. Y'all, if, if, if you go to it and Jim, I'm going to let you give the, the, the website and the link again in, in a second, the instructions one more time, because I, I really feel strongly about this. Y'all, they only want to reach their goal of 1000 people signing up for this. It takes like, two minutes i mean who what do you care what they do with your organs when you die anyway if you're still alive and they can harvest them then you can give the gift of life then give it i mean and be a hero that person that is alive every single day because you you sign this little form 
and you're not going to, you, hell, you're not going to know. You're going to be gone. <laughs> so be a hero. Jim, what, what is it again? The link is lopa.org backslash LTC. lopa.org backslash LTC. And then under which school? You want to choose Livingston Parish Literacy and Technology Center. And that next tab under which student referred you, choose criminal justice students. All right. Yeah, I, I think that's a very worthy program. Uh, they're doing some great stuff out there. The, you know, those students are your future of law enforcement, uh, your future law enforcement professionals. And one day you might need them. Yeah, let's give them some help. Uh, and Kelly, I, I know you listen to us and, and you're a huge fan. Uh, let us know, you know, when they break that 1,000 mark so we can thank all the lifers. So what else, Jim? Hey, we got enough We got enough listeners out there. We can make this happen for them pretty quickly. Let's help these students out. I agree. I agree. I, I mean, and think about Maddie and, and, and saving that doctor's life. I mean, it could be you. So what else, buddy? Jim. Well, we talked about the bash. We got the live shows coming up here well, well, at the end of January. Yeah, let's talk about the bash again. Thanks for bringing it up. Uh, I have some questions and um, from one of the viewer, one of our lifers, and they're good questions, and we need to answer them. And the it's just general questions, y'all. The the uh, the crew of. Orion's parade starts downtown Baton Rouge the same night that we do our live, but they start at 6.30 p.m. And it part of the, the, the route does go on 3rd Street, but it's in within the first quarter of the parade, the, the floats will be passing. We're The, the doors to the basin are going to open at 8 p.m. Plenty of time for the parade to get passed and there's plenty and then they asked about parking there are tons of parking downtown as yet you think about this that they have all the downtown office buildings and then you have the downtown government buildings and all that and they have this tons of parking because where everybody goes to work every day and it's going to be empty all the lots are empty you could park downtown baton rouge is one of the safest it's probably the safest place in the city of baton rouge the third street where the basin is, the that's where all the uh, the bars and and the eateries are, and and it's it's um, it's kind of like Bourbon Street without the crime, or or Bill Street in Memphis without the crime. Is the music venues and the restaurants and stuff? It's a really it's been an up and coming scene for the last probably. I don't know, eight to 10 years. And it's, it's really, you go down there on the weekends, they have Friday night lives and then, and Saturday nights. It's, I mean, people walk from bar to bar and restaurant to restaurant and hang out all night long. That's what they do. And the police presence, Baton Rouge PD has, has a, a station down there. They have, you know, they have them on, on bicycles. They have them on units. They have them on foot patrol, et cetera. Or on, on parade night, you can't get any safer than that. They're going to have the all the full mounted divisions and everything else. And so people that uh, from out of town, one of them was like, oh, I don't want to go to downtown Baton Rouge. It's the exact opposite of what you're thinking as far as safety-wise. Jim? I agree. It's it's pretty safe. Um, 
they do a great job keeping that all protected down there and uh, to come on out and have a great time. Uh, the parade will be long gone already. The doors will open up at 8 o'clock, and there's plenty of time, plenty of parking, and it's going to be one hell of a night. Yeah, and when the doors open up, y'all, it's, you know, the basin is going to be selling alcohol. The You can you can come in at 8 o'clock. One of the worst things about Mardi Gras and drinking is you can't ever find a bathroom, all right? And and uh, you want to make a million dollars, you take a poor potty down to one of the parade routes and charge a dollar a person, right? Because uh, the bar, I mean, businesses won't let you in, uh, uh, et cetera. But if you, you have a ticket to the show and you want to hang out and watch the parade because it makes a big loop around downtown y'all. And that actually will come back on the, uh, would be the South side of, of the basin. Again, you want to go, go down and watch the parade shit. That's fun. Go down and watch the parade and have your beads and you, you uh, bring your own ice chest or whatever. And then, or if you need to go and you use the bathroom, go to the basin. Uh, uh, the doors open at eight and, and you can, you can, Come and go with your ticket, right? So that's a, a added benefit. And, and again, the you know there'll be a lot of people down there for the parades, but it's not going to hinder you, uh, uh, and it's not going to hinder our crew bash. And I think it's going to make a, me myself personally. I'm gonna have a beer and drink the parade before we take the stage. I'm, I'm gonna have a beer. I'm gonna have a beer and watch the parade before we take the stage. So the. Uh, and it, and y'all, we're going to take the stage. We're doing it, a new case, totally separate from the the three lives that we're doing in Walker. It's going to be a murder case. And now that Friday night, the night before, is uh, Valentine's, and so this case is going to have something to do with that. It's going to be, it's a real, it's a real, it's a, it's a, definitely an adult case. I can tell you that, and, and it's going to fit in. And of course, Jim and I get the drink on stage and tell, do what we do. And then when we get done, uh, Tom play. And, and now Tom play is the full band. It's, it's Toby and Shelly naturally singing the, the people that do our, our music, but that, you know, it's going to be the full band, all the acoustics, everything. And they put on a hell of a show. They play house of blues and, and, and different, uh, venues, and they're well known in South Louisiana, so they're going to rock it. Uh, we con- contracted them to play uh, until closing, so um, it's really going to be something fun. We're going to have a good time. We're going to, you know, I can't drink, I can't do a shot with everybody, <laughs> but I'm going to be drinking the whole time. And I know Jim is also. <laughs> and we're, 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 yes, we're, indeed. We will we'll meet and greet and photograph with every one of y'all. I'm sure, you know. I'm going to cut a rug and we'll do a little dancing too. Uh, but it's, it's going to be a good time. It's going to be epic. Uh, I've, you know, not to my own horn, not conceited, just convinced that when I throw a party, I throw a party. So, and, and I know Jim's the same way, but you know it. It's going to be a hell of a time. Y'all come on out. We'll cut it up. We'll cut it up together. Yep. And what else do we have to talk about, Jim? Uh, the, we love all of y'all, uh, patron members. We, we love you. Thank you for your, you know, your financial support. We really appreciate that. Um, I think Jim, we have six or seven episodes locked up now for patron. Correct. Six. Uh, six. Yeah. Six, about six hours worth. Six, yeah. Six never before heard episodes locked up. And we, every day people are hitting us up. Oh, I'm, I'm out of episodes or RLRC. 
And what can I listen to now? I mean, if, if you have a financial means, you know, for, uh, $10 a month, you can unlock those episodes and you get your discount in the merchandise store and, and, you know, you shout out on social media and all that stuff. We try to give all our patron members as many benefits as we can. But if you want more RLRC and we're, we're going to continue to lock up, we lock up a new episode every month. And we're going to be doing more stuff. And Jim, I'll let you touch on it real quick on uh, YouTube, et cetera. And the, there's a lot more patron contents can be put up. I, I'll just, we have plans in the work. We'll, we'll leave it at that. But Jim, you, know, you want to talk? Yeah. About, go ahead. I'm going to talk about a few things here. One, um, check out our website, realliferealcrime.com, done yes. by Black Sheep. Yes. I uh, was a Black Sheep uh Creative. I think it's black, black sheep, sheep creative. creative. Yeah. Um, and they do, they do a hell of a job. So go check out our site. You know, there's stores on there, events. You can read about Woody and I's bios. Um, there's a bunch of information on there. So go check out that website, uh, all, Black Sheep all Creative. Our, all our episodes. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, all our episodes, Jim, and in the 24-hour store now with a whole lot more merchandise in it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it's great. Clint Sanchez, and they they just killed it for us on that. Um, Black Sheep Creative, uh, the veterans. Uh, you want to support your veterans? Definitely, um, you know, give them a call and let them put your websites together. They can do all the analytics you want, um, all the data collection, pay per clicks, um, SEO searches. I can do it all. So give them a shout. Um, we have you can follow us on Instagram, please. Real life, real crime. You can follow me. It's just Jim underscore Rathman or Overton Woody. Those are our Instagrams. Go on there. Um, we have our Facebook crew page. Uh, we already talked about our patron page. And one of the things we're putting up is the YouTube channel. That's going to be ready to rock and roll here real soon. And then you'll be able to see a lot of the um, stuff that we're doing live. We'll be on there talking all the time, episodes and just different things. It's going to be very interactive or you'll be able to see us and uh, we're going to make that grow. So looking forward to getting you that once the YouTube channel's ready to go. Um, you'll be, you'll be notified right away. Yeah. And I tell y'all what we're going to do. We're going to figure it out, um, on the YouTube channel to get everybody to go over and subscribe. Can I tell them, Jim? Say that again, Woody. I said, can I tell them? Well, our plan is to get everybody to go over on YouTube and subscribe. Yeah, go for it. The, what we're going to do when we're ready is we are going to do a never release a story y'all have never heard before and put it up on YouTube only. So when you go over to subscribe, you'll get an extra real life, real crime uh, episode. Uh, um, or, or you, you can go subscribe as soon as Jim gets it up now or whatever. But when, as a subscriber, you'll be able to get this extra episode. And also before we record these shows, we're going to spend about an hour live on YouTube and answering questions and fan interaction every time we record. And we're, we're going to shut it off right when we uh, start to record the episode and the, but we'll still let the cameras run and we're going to start locking up the, uh, the recorded episodes for our patron members. And they'll, you'll get to see a video of Jim and I recording the, you know, 
the whole episodes. So that I forgot to say that about Patreon. But yeah, YouTube's going to be big, people. Uh, um, and we're going to get on there every day and and uh, uh, you know talk about whatever we want to talk about. And and Twitter and Instagram and don't forget, like I said, we have the, the Lanyap page uh, or Bookham page, which is the book club our, our dream team is doing. And dream team, we love each and every one of y'all. You're all freaking awesome. Um, yeah, uh, thank you guys so much for all your support and all the comments you've made on Facebook lately and sharing our information with everyone that's how we continue to grow and there's a lot of cities that want us to come and do a live show out there so if you're in one of those cities and you want us to come to your city and do a live show definitely spread our podcast to uh, your community there and once we get enough numbers we'll be happy to come there and do a live show it's what we love to do we'll come and interact with all of you we'll go all across we'll go all across the world we don't care yeah um we love it yeah, we so um, just spread it within your community, and we, you know, once once we we see that that it's there, um, we can book a venue. We'll do it. Hey, hey, lifers, and we love all of you. And um, please, y'all are making us such a success by telling people. And I, we get comments every day of like people were out in public and they heard you know, other people talking about real life, real crime. Thank you so much. You don't know how much that means, Jim and I. When uh, Jim, tell me about your brother at breakfast of the day. Yeah, so um, I already talked to you guys about. It. I have an older brother. He also was, you know, played at LSU. He's a chiropractor there in Baton Rouge, um, Rathman Chiropractic. And he went to go have breakfast, and he's just sitting in the back corner there listening to the podcast. And the table next to him was talking about our podcast, the Real Life Real Crime. So when the waitress came up to my my brother. Um, asked him a question. I guess he had to take the podcast out. He had mentioned how I was listening to a podcast, answered the question, and sure enough, he ended up <laughs> the table next to him was like, well, "What podcast are you listening to?" Yeah, he's like, "I'm listening to Real Life, Real Crime." It's you know my brother and, and Woody, and sure enough, um, that's obviously what they were talking about. So they took a picture together and sent it over there to us, and um, that was just real special. I love seeing those kind of things, and um, you know we keep hearing all the time people in gyms, grocery stores. My, my uh, dad just everywhere just listening to our podcast just, yeah. it's great my dad's calling me almost every day and uh he's like oh this is such and such and they said overton uh are you related to woody and then and then they blow up about the podcast i mean whether it's his doctor's office or the grocery store or whatever but see y'all that means the world to us uh, uh so please continue to share us tell everybody you know about us and help us grow and we appreciate that if you want to put a smile on her face tell tell your buddy about real life real crime the podcast and as always we love you we appreciate you thank you for listening we are get your tickets for the crew bash because when they're gone you'll be sorry and till next time or ever don't let us catch you down on murder by you peace peace